Story six of the Third Circle by Frank Norris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story six: A Reversion to Type. Schuster was too damned cheeky. He was the floor walker in a department store on Kearney Street, and I had opportunity to observe his cheek upon each of the few occasions on which I went into that store with, let us say, my cousin. A floor walker should let his communications be first aisle left, or elevator second floor front, or third counter right, for whatsoever is more than this cometh of evil but schuster used to come up to my cousin and take her gently by the hand and ask her how she did and if she was to be out of town much that season and tell her with mild reproach in his eye that she had been quite a stranger of late while i stood in the background mumbling curses not loud but deep however my cousin does not figure in this yarn nor myself paul schuster is the hero paul schuster floor-walker in a department store that sold ribbons and lace and corsets and other things fancy now he was hopelessly commonplace lived with a maiden aunt and a parrot in two rooms way out in the bleak streets around lone mountain when on duty he wore a long black cutaway coat a white peak four-in-hand and blue-gray pants that cost four dollars Besides this, he parted his hair on the side and entertained ideas on culture and refinement. His father had been a barber in the Palace Hotel barber shop. Paul Schuster had never heard anything of a grandfather. Schuster came to that department store when he was about thirty. Five years passed, and then ten. He was there yet, forty years old by now always in a black cutaway and white tie, always with his hair parted on one side, always with the same damned cheek. A floor-walker, respectable as an English barrister, steady as an eight-day clock, a figure known to every woman in San Francisco. He had lived a floor-walker, as a floor-walker he would die. Such he was at forty. At forty-one he fell. Two days, and all was over." it sometimes happens that a man will live a sober steady respectable commonplace life for forty fifty or even sixty years and then without the least sign of warning suddenly go counter to every habit to every trait of character and every rule of conduct he has been believed to possess the thing only happens to intensely respectable gentlemen of domestic tastes and narrow horizons who are just preparing to becoming old perhaps it is a last revolt of a restrained youth the final protest of vigorous heady blood too long damned up this bolting season does not last very long it comes upon a man between the ages of forty and fifty-five and while it lasts the man should be watched more closely than a young fellow in his sophomore year at college the vagaries of a sophomore need not be taken any more seriously than the skittishness of a colt, but when a fifty-year-old bolts, stand clear. On the 2nd of May, two months and a day after his forty-first birthday, Paul Schuster bolted. It came upon him with the quickness of a cataclysm, like the sudden abrupt development of latent mania for a week he had been feeling ill at ease restless 
a vague discomfort hedged him in like an ill-fitting garment he felt the moving of his blood in his wrists and his temple a subtle desire to do something he knew not what bit and nibbled at his brain like the tooth of a tiny unfamiliar rodent on the second of may at twenty minutes after six schuster came out of the store at the tail end of the little army of homebound clerks he locked the door behind him according to custom and stood for a moment on the asphalt his hands in his pockets fumbling his month's pay then he said to himself nodding his head resolutely to-night i shall get drunk as drunk as i possibly can i shall go to the most disreputable resorts i can find i shall know the meaning of wine of street fights of women of gaming of jolly companions of noisy midnight suppers i'll do the town or by god the town will do me nothing shall stop me and i will stop at nothing here goes now if paul schuster had only been himself this bolt of his would have brought him to nothing worse than the police court and would have lasted but twenty-four hours at the outside but schuster like all the rest of us was not merely himself he was his ancestors as well in him as in you and me were generations countless generations of forefathers schuster had in him the characteristic of his father the palace hotel barber but also he had the unknown characteristics of his grandfather of whom he had never heard and his great-grandfather likewise ignored it is rather a serious matter to thrust yourself under the dominion of unknown unknowable impulses and passions this is what schuster did that night getting drunk was an impulse belonging to himself but who knows what inherited tendencies until then dormant the alcohol unleashed within him something like this must have happened to have accounted for what follows schuster went straight to the palace hotel bar where he had cocktails thence to the poodle dog where he had a french dinner and champagne thence to the barbary coast on upper kearney street and drank whisky that rasped his throat like gulps of carpet tacks then realizing that san francisco was his own principality and its inhabitants his vassals he hired a carriage and drove to the cliff house and poured champagne into the piano in the public parlor a waiter remonstrated and paul schuster floor-walker and respectable citizen bowled him down with a ketchup bottle and stamped upon his abdomen at the beginning of that evening he belonged to that class whom policemen are paid to protect when he walked out of the cliff house he was a freebooter seven feet tall with a chest expansion of fifty inches he paid the hack driver a double fare and strode away into the night and plunged into the waste of sand dunes that stretch back from the beach on the other side of the park it never could be found out what happened to schuster or what he did during the next ten hours we pick him up again in a saloon on the waterfront about noon the next day with thirty dollars in his pocket and god knows what disorderly notions in his crazed wits at this time he was sober as far as the alcohol went it might be supposed that now would have been the time for reflection and repentance and return to home and respectability return home not much 
Schuster had begun to wonder what kind of an ass he had been to have walked the floor of a department store for the last score of years. Something was boiling in his veins. Brr! Let em all stand far from him now. That day he left San Francisco and rode the blind baggage as far as Colfax on the overland. He chose Colfax because he saw the name chalked on a freight car at the Oakland Mole. At Colfax, within three hours after his arrival, he fought with a restaurant man over the question of a broken saucer, and the same evening was told to leave the town by the sheriff. Out of Colfax, some twenty-eight miles into the mountains, are Placer Gold Mines, having for headquarters a one-street town called Iowa Hill. Schuster went over to the hill the same day on the stage. The stage got in at night and pulled up in front of the post office. Schuster went into the post office, which was also a Wells Fargo office, a candy store, a drug store, a cigar store, and a lounging room, and asked about hotels. Only the postmaster was in at the time, but as Schuster leaned across the counter talking to him, a young man came in with a huge spur on his left boot heel. He and the postmaster nodded, and the young man slid an oblong object about the size of a brick across the counter. The object was wrapped in newspaper and seemed altogether too heavy for anything but metal. Metal of the precious kind, for example. He answered the postmaster to Schuster when the young man had gone. He's the superintendent of the Little Bear Mine on the other side of the American River, about three miles by the trail. For the next week, Schuster set himself to work to solve the problem of how a man might obtain a shotgun in the vicinity of Iowa Hill without the fact being remembered afterward and the man identified. It seemed good to him, after a while, to steal the gun from a couple of Chinamen who were washing gravel along the banks of the American River, about two miles below the Little Bear. For two days he lay in the tarweed and witch hazel on the side of the canyon overlooking the cabin, noted the time when both Chinamen were sufficiently far away, and stole the gun, together with a saw and a handful of cartridges loaded with buckshot. Within the next week he sawed off the gun barrels sufficiently short, experimented once or twice with the buckshot, and found occasion to reconnoitre every step of the trail that led from the little bear to Iowa Hill. Also he found out at the bar of the hotel at the hill that the superintendent of the little bear amalgamated and reported the clean-up on Sundays. When he had made sure of this, Schuster was seen no more about that little one-street mining town. He says it's Sunday, said Paul Schuster to himself, but that's why it's probably Saturday or Monday. He ain't going to have the town know when he brings the brick over. It might even be Friday. I'll make it a four-night watch. There is a nasty bit on the trail from the little bear to the hill, steep as a staircase, narrow as a rabbit run and overhung with manzanita the place is trumpet-mouthed in shape and sound carries far so on the second night of his watch schuster could at last plainly hear the certain sounds that he had been waiting for sounds that jarred sharply on the prolonged roll of the morning star stamps a quarter of a mile beyond the canyon the sounds were those of a horse threshing through the gravel and shallow water of the ford in the river just below. 
he heard the horse grunt as he took the slope of the nearest bank and the voice of his rider speaking to him came distinctly to his ears then silence for one two three minutes while the stamp mill at the morning star purred and rumbled unceasingly and schuster's heart pumped thickly in his throat then a blackness blacker than that of the night heaved suddenly against the grey of the sky close in upon him and a pebble clicked beneath a shod hoof pull up schuster was in the midst of the trail his cheek caressing the varnished stock whoa steady there what in hell pull up you know what's wanted chuck us that brick the superintendent chirped sharply to the horse spurring with his left heel stand clear there god damn you i'll ride you down the stock leaped fiercely in schuster's armpit nearly knocking him down and in the light of two parallel flashes he saw an instantaneous picture rugged skyline red-tinted manzanita bushes the plunging mane and head of a horse and above it a face with open mouth and staring eyes smoke wreathed and hatless the empty stirrup thrashed across schuster's body as the horse scraped by him the trail was dark in front of him he could see nothing but soon he heard a little bubbling noise and a hiccup then all fell quiet again i got you all right thus schuster the ex-floor walker whose part hitherto in his little life drama had been to say first aisle left elevator second floor first counter right then he went down on his knees groping at the warm bundle in front of him but he found no brick it had never occurred to him that the superintendent might ride over to town for other reasons than merely to ship the week's clean-up he struck a light and looked more closely looked at the man he had shot he could not tell whether it was the superintendent or not for various reasons but chiefly because the barrels of the gun had been sawn off the gun loaded with buckshot and both barrels fired simultaneously at close range men coming over the trail from the hill the next morning found the young superintendent and spread the report of what had befallen him when the prodigal son became hungry he came to himself so it was with schuster living on two slices of bacon per day eaten raw for fear of kindling fires is what might be called starving under difficulties and within a week schuster was remembering and longing for floor-walking and respectability within a month of his strange disappearance he was back in san francisco again knocking at the door of his aunt's house on gary street a week later he was taken on again at his old store in his old position his unexcused absence being at length and under protest condoned by a remembrance of long and faithful service schuster picked up his old life again precisely where he had left it on the second of may six weeks previously and picked it up and stayed by it calmly steadily uneventfully the day before he died he told his story to his maiden aunt who told it to me with the remark that it was of course an absurd lie perhaps it was one thing however remains to tell i repeated the absurd lie to a friend of mine who is in the warden's office over at the prison of san quentin i mentioned schuster's name schuster schuster he repeated 
why we had a schuster over here once long time ago though an old fellow he was and a bad egg too commuted for life though son was a barber at the palace hotel what was old schuster up for i asked highway robbery said my friend end of story six